Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Hymnology, a show about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from the people who sing them. My name is Sawyer. So it is now the season of Lent. What is Lent? Well, that is our topic today. You may be in a, in a denomination, a tradition, that celebrates Lent every single year leading up to Easter. Maybe you're in a tradition who thinks that maybe this is not something that we should be practicing. Or maybe you simply never have heard of the term Lent before and you're wondering what it is exactly. Well, today my guest is Ryan Flanagan of Liturgical Folk. And Ryan has several albums, but one of his albums is specifically called Lent. And it walks you through the season of Lent, beginning with Ash Wednesday all the way down to Easter Eve. And we had a great conversation about the history of his group, um, kind of where their inspiration for their songs comes from, um, but also we transition into a time of what is Lent, why we should celebrate Lent, and we go through his album of Lent. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Ryan Flanning of Liturgical Folk. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Hymnology. I have with me my guest today from Liturgical Folk, Ryan Flanagan. Thank you so much for joining me, Ryan. It is my pleasure. Thanks yeah. for asking me. Yeah. So Ryan um, is a member and probably I would probably say the founding member, one of the founding members of Liturgical Folk, um, which is a phenomenal worship group that kind of puts in exactly what it says. It puts liturgy into a worship context, but also keeps it folksy, which is right down my alley, which I love to hear. <laughs> so Ryan, I would love for you, I love the story of how you guys began. Um, if you would share the story of kind of the origin story of Liturgical Folk. Sure. Uh, well, let's see. In 2015, I moved down from uh, from the Midwest to Dallas, Texas, and uh, took a position at an Anglican church um, right in the heart of Dallas. And uh, one month into my job, I got an email from a parishioner, and the the subject line on the email was simply request. Yes. <laughs> which we yes. in ministry love receiving emails from parishioners that just say request. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so I opened the email uh, and began reading and um, it was uh, just a parishioner kind of saying, Hey, th this coming Sunday is um, the scriptures for this coming Sunday are the, the transfigure the story of the transfiguration. Yeah. Um, you don't have to do anything with this, but, if it, if it made sense to include it in the worship service anywhere, um, here's a poem for the transfiguration. And so I said, oh, how nice. He, he found a poem and sent, sent me a poem to, to yeah. use. So I, I read the poem and it was nice. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a good poem. Yeah. So uh, feeling a bit inspired in, the, in that moment, I picked up my guitar and wrote a little folk tune um, to the poem and sent it back to him I said thanks for sending me his poem uh here's what i did with it um i hope you like it you know i think i'm going to use it I, I like how it came out i think i'm going to use it on sunday so thanks for sending me these words well he um uh he i said and and by the way who wrote this poem and so he uh replied and said um well i'm just sitting here with my wife tickled pink is the word he used that that you would uh, that you would set this to music? I wrote this poem, and um, and I, this is very meaningful. Thank you for uh, taking the time to do this. 
Uh, and so I replied back. I said, you wrote this poem. Do you have any more poems? Because I sense a little partnership happening. So uh, he said, no, I don't really have any more poems. However, I'm a priest and I'm no longer serving in church. I'm retired. So um, my vocation now is just to pray all day long. Why don't I just start versifying my prayers and I'll send you what I come up with. So he did. He started sending me poem after poem and, and mostly metrical. Occasionally he'd, you know, go um, a bit more abstract or non-metrical. And I just started writing tunes to all these poems. (laughs) Before we knew it, we had a couple dozen uh, uh, songs, hymns, and we were using several of them in church. And finally people in church were like, um, are you going to do anything with this? Are you going to record these? Can you record yeah. these? I want to sing these in my car. I want to sing these at home. Yeah. So I was like, well, I don't know. Well, right around that time, um, through a series of relationships, I was connected to Isaac Wardell. Right. Yeah. And um, he, uh, he really liked the story and he liked the music. So we, um, we raised a bunch of money and went and recorded um our first album of, of hymns. Um, and at the same time I was, um, you know, as a father of young children, I was trying to teach my kids how to pray. And the best way I could do that was to set the prayers from the prayer book to music, um, so that they could learn the prayers and sing them. Um, so I had, you know, on the one hand, I had a stockpile of these new hymns that we were writing. And on the other hand, I had these, uh, this service music or liturgical settings for, for the liturgy. And uh, I was like, do you think we can record two albums at once? (laughs) And he's like, sure, it'll be more efficient. So we knocked out, I think we recorded 26 songs in 36 hours or something like that. And, um, and released both uh, volumes one and two at the same time um, in 2017. And was that, was that Edenland and table settings? What table settings. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So table settings, we, we ended up making volume one okay. and um, Edenland is volume two. Yeah. Okay. And I remember you t- uh, saying before um, Edenland was a little different than table settings, kind of in the formation of the writing, kind of what, what was the story behind Edenland? So Edenland is entirely uh, made up of the hymns that Father Nelson and I okay. wrote. So twelve of the first, uh, you know, couple dozen hymns that we wrote, yeah. um, we we made and ent- we focused entirely on that. And stylistically, um, we really leaned more art artistic, kind of like um, really tried to make something beautiful. Um, instrumentally and um, just kind of paint kind of sonic landscapes with um, because the words were so beautiful the words were I mean the words were written by a a priest who had been serving in the church for you know 50 years blessing people at the rail um, receiving holy eucharist and burying and marrying and you know this seasoned man of God, um, who was also very deeply theological, um, um, very well studied and he was just writing beautiful words. So we, we felt like the music, um, 
uh, warranted uh, an equal amount of um, depth and yeah. and artistry. Uh, whereas table settings was a lot more simple. Um, you know, most of the songs are simple enough for kids to sing. Yeah. Um, although, uh, and your kids sing. I, I think don't they? Uh, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think on table settings. Yes, they sing. Um, one of the one of the great the table grace the grace at meals. Okay. <laughs> we okay. recorded it on our iPhone actually and fun. Somehow, it made it onto Spotify. <laughs> great. That's great. Yeah, I love so. it. Um, okay, so now he has unfortunately recently passed, hasn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A few years ago, actually, um, okay. 2019. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so are these songs that you're writing now, are they still his poems um, or have you kind of, kind of carried the torch from there? I've pretty well exhausted um, <laughs> the, the back, the back catalog, you know, that, that he had given me. Um, okay. I think the last one of his poems that I set to music was, uh, probably in the when was it it was last year right around this time I think okay I set uh, a poem that he had he wrote a poem while he was on his deathbed basically oh, wow. um uh, just kind of the the battle that he had between fear and hope yeah um and it was just a powerful lyric and yeah. so that that felt like the bookend um yeah to that very first you know, that very first hymn we wrote together. Yeah. And so now um, I actually, I've never really considered myself that much of a lyricist, okay. uh, more of a melodist. Um, but I think I learned a lot just yeah. about the use of metaphor and prose and um, met, met, uh, meter and rhyme from him. Uh kind of more intuitively than anything yeah. uh, just by singing and reading his, his so much of his right. beautiful work um, that I've recently started dabbling myself in yeah. a bit of poetry. Yeah. Uh, it takes a lot more out of me for sure uh, <laughs> yeah. than writing yeah. tunes, but, um, but uh, as far as um, new material, lyrical material, mm -hmm. um, I have, uh, I've basically been using um, prayers, you know, ancient okay. prayers um, and including our most recent album, it's entirely prayers from, from the Book of Common Prayer. Um, for yeah, morning so, and so let's prayer. get into that real quick before we go in, into our conversation about Lent. So your newest album is, is Matins and Vespers, and I'm saying Matins correct, right? Yes, you are. Okay, I, I, think. I am not. I am Southern Baptist as, as they come. So Matins is, is a new one. Um, I went to a Vesper service last fall and I was like, what am I doing? I wasn't sure exactly yeah, what I was yeah. at. But um, so Matins nice. and Vespers, can you kind of share um, the content of that song? Most of it comes from the Book of Common Prayer. Is that right? Yep. All of it okay. does. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just kind of share your, your heart behind that album. Sure. Uh, well, it's interesting. I just wrote a paper <laughs> about this and finished it last night at midnight. <laughs> so oh, okay. it's fresh on my mind. Um, yeah. So at the beginning of the pandemic, um, we, as a family, we, we, I don't know if it, this was probably more accidental than intentional, but yeah. um, we 
you know, we knew that in isolation, we were not going to be able to commune as much with right. other believers, fellowship with other believers, um, pray even with other believers um, or worship. And so we, um, in the past, we'd gone through seasons of, um, you know, devotion as a family. Um, but, but now all of a sudden, when we're totally isolated and detached from the world, we're like, I think, I think we really need to commit to praying. And so we decided that we were going to pray every morning and evening, um, the services in the, in the book of common prayer for, yeah. um, morning and evening, the daily office it's called. Right. And, um, you know, it was hard. It was grueling. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, a lot of times, you know, the, uh, most days the kids would complain, at least one of three kids. Yeah, oh yeah, um, you're going to. And, and probably half of the days the parents would complain as well. <laughs> um, it, it, was, it was not an easy thing to do. Um, yeah. But we had also recently, before the pandemic, been gifted with a beautiful piano that we, um, that we just put right in the middle of our house. Yeah. And, um, and so our life was just entirely saturated with prayer and creativity. And so we, uh, we would, in order to make the prayers a little bit more accessible, palatable, um, my son and I actually started writing tunes for the prayers for morning and evening prayer. We'd already done a few um, songs like on our other albums that we could use for prayer services. But um, we thought specifically, um, since this is what we're doing so much, it'd be nice to be able to sing as much of this service as of right. these services as we can. So my son actually was, a, was the, the impetus for this album. He wrote, um, and when he was 11 years old, he composed a setting to the confession, um, yeah. which begins morning and evening prayer. Um, yeah. Just right there. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. great? I remember watching, um, so you, you, you guys actually have this um, on your YouTube channel, right? One of your kind of morning do. times and um, yeah. I was just watching you guys and watching your son kind of lead in that, in that beat and that rhythm and was just uh, yeah. kind of taken away yeah. by that, you know? Uh-huh. It, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take long um, to, to establish a habit and, yeah. and to learn something, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, I, I, I'm actually, as a bit of an aside, I'm currently in Oxford and I worship at a place called Pusey House okay. and it's a very high Anglo-Catholic community. Yeah. And the first evening prayer service I went to, um, it was entirely sung, it was oh, wow. like entirely sung and chanted. And it was yeah. very unfamiliar to me, but I went five times and I was singing every, yeah. every, you know, note of every right. prayer. And I knew exactly what to do. It does, yeah. doesn't take long for us to, uh, to adopt some of these yeah. rituals. Yeah. These good, good rituals. Um, but anyway, Liam wrote a setting to the confession of sin. And I, I was like, this is, this is really good. You know, uh, um, this is I totally usable. I love the title that you gave it. <laughs> Liam, the confessor. I love it. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's I, at first I was like, who is Liam? Who, yeah. who is this? Who is this Liam we're talking yeah. about? I was like, yeah, it's his son. <laughs> that's yeah. who it is. Sounds Celtic, doesn't it? It Sounds, does. Yeah. Sounds yeah, that. very mystical. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, it's there's nothing mystical about it, I can tell you that. <laughs> uh.
He wrote the setting to the confession, and then I, um, I was inspired. So I, yeah, I wrote. I can't remember what I what I wrote the first the first of the other, you know, eight songs or seven songs. But before we knew it, we had a, a, a nice little collection, and it it's it broke up pretty nicely into four songs for morning prayer, yeah, or mat matins, and four songs for vespers, evening prayer, yep. Um, and a couple of them could be used in either service. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, the, the two, and I know this is just the first two on the, on the album, but the two that really stand out to me the most. And I think especially Cavern stands out to me because, you know, when I go through the, the book on prayer, we see, we see that right out the gate and, you know, to be mm -hmm. honest, like I'm new to it. I I'm like, I'm not Anglican, mm -hmm. but I am, I've just kind of had started going through the, the book on prayer and, um, mm -hmm. I was like, I've heard these, I've heard these words before where or when I was reading, mm -hmm. it, I was like, where have I heard these before? It's like, Oh, there we go. Now yeah. I get what it yeah. is. So yeah. for somebody who has no clue what we're talking about, mm -hmm. when we say Book of Common Prayer. Um, can you explain that just a little bit before we go on to Lent? Sure. Yeah. I'll do the best I can. I'm, yeah, I'm that's currently yeah. in, in the, the absolute, I'm, I'm in the town right now where the Book of Common Prayer was written. <laughs> right, right. So, so uh, you, but, I'll, real, I'll, but you know, you became Anglican as you went to Dallas. Is that right? Like that was, was that your first experience with that? Um, well, I yes, I officially okay. was confirmed into in as an Anglican okay. um, in Dallas, but I studied in uh, with Robert Weber when I was in seminary okay. 2000, 2005, 2006. Okay. Um, and he gave me a book of common prayer okay. um, when I when I was there. And so that was kind of the my introduction. And he was Episcopalian, so yeah. um, and his kind of his ancient future vision for worship really fits well within the Anglican world because yeah. there's a breadth of yeah. um, expression and theological generosity within it's, Anglicanism. It's not an easy world to just dive into and to understand immediately. Yeah. There, it, there's, yeah. Like I so said, there's a lot of depth to it for sure. Yeah. Um, so yes. that was my introduction, but okay. Yeah, and so going um, from there, you start writing this music, and now you have an album of the Book of Common Prayer, or prayers from it. So just kind of explain what that book actually is. The Book of Common Prayer. Yeah. It is, um, yeah, so Thomas Cranmer, the Archbishop of Canterbury, I believe, back in yeah. the 1500s, um, wrote, basically compiled a bunch of ancient prayers and scripture texts 
into um, services, worship services, yeah. uh, the daily office. So, so the prayer is basically organized um, by time, right? So right. daily, weekly, seasonally, yeah. um, and annually, right? So you've got seasons, time. Uh, as Christians, um, you know, we have a calendar. We, right. we, we live, uh, we get our cues for, for worship, for our lives, um, from the life of Jesus, right? So right. Uh, ad, from Advent through, through, from his birth, through his death, resurrection, ascension, Pentecost. Even if, so anyway, even if all you do is Christmas and Easter, you still, you still, you still yeah. have those, that calendar that you may not realize or not. Yeah. And so much of our world is actually shaped by, um, you know, a quasi liturgical, yeah, calendar. Is. Everything is um, that we do. It, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So anyway, the the prayer book is. Uh, I think somebody once calculated how much of it is scripture. It's like ninety five percent scripture. Well, I You're mean, yeah, it has the entire book the of Bible. Psalms in it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah but even, definitely. Yeah, and and within the the services themselves, morning prayer, evening right. prayer, um, holy Eucharist, holy baptism, all these beautiful liturgies so much of it is just scripture right so right so it'd be one thing to pick up a bible and to try to pray it yes. right um and that was that was actually cranmer's idea right in right. the reformation this recovery of um, the truth of the holy scriptures um he wanted uh, he thought that the one of the best ways to recover um a vibrant uh uh uh, uh, value of the Holy scriptures the practice of the Holy scriptures was to pray them. So, yeah, I, I guess if I yeah. could put it as succinctly as possible, um, the book of common prayer is a book that enables us to pray the scriptures. Right. And it can be intimidating. I'll be honest. It took me about a year to actually get a good grasp of what it even is. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. um, just this year, actually going through the morning evening prayer and depending on which one you use, you know, like I know, I feel like the, the ACNA 2019 one has several different times of prayer, mm -hmm. but really and truly, mm -hmm. you know, this, like this right here is what your, you know, your, your daily office. And then you have this mm -hmm. <laughs> to figure out what to yeah. do. So you only use such a small piece of it. Um, and obviously you cycle through the prayers and, and, um, and the Psalms, but mm -hmm. um, it's so good to hear it to music because it really kind of helps mm. you just take it in in a different way because mm -hmm. it can be so intimidating it's kind of like open mm -hmm. it's kind of like opening up a you know just like a manual that is completely flipped around in a way but yeah um, you know just like let me say but yeah if i can say something yeah. about that i think part of the reason why it's intimidating is because we live in such a highly individualized culture uh, exactly. uh yeah. in which our personal devotion is kind of valued above above all else yeah. in our spirituality and um it, it wouldn't be as intimidating if you went to a community yeah. <laughs> like like i did here right right and right. and after five times i knew exactly yeah. what to do um and so i think discipleship at its base is learning from somebody else how to do something right right so it, it would be it wouldn't be as intimidating i think if somebody 
kind of just showed us exactly what to do <laughs> like Definitely. Jesus did with his Definitely. yeah and, and that and see I didn't quite have that we I did I was kind of blessed there was a when the church that I was at before um there was a little house and I mean it was a tiny little place and it was an Anglican church and mm-hmm. um and his name was uh Father John and he was and he kind of sent me a few emails back and forth and talked to him a little bit but, but guided me just enough to kind of get me going yeah. but even then yeah. you look into say, okay, well now what version do I use? And, and right, you know, right. almost kind of to where you have like a Bible version deal going on. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just out of curiosity for, for our listeners, which, um, which version mm-hmm. do you go through for your um, family time, for your family worship time? Yeah, we use the 1979 Oxford, okay. um, New York Oxford book come okay. prayer. Um, and that's just because that's the one that Bob Weber gave me all those years ago. And then our church in Dallas used that one and still uses it. Um, but here at, at Pusey house, we actually use the 1662. (laughs) Okay. It's, uh, it's very archaic. Well, and that's the Um, one that like IVP University Press just put, just put this one out. And like, this is like, this was the prettiest one that I found on the shelf. And I was like, I think I'll I'll go with that one. And um, yeah, I'm definitely learning that this is the, the more KJV type uh, type version. Um, Right. But, um, but the new one, the new ACNA uh, 2019 is actually based off of the 1662. Yeah. And it's more Uh, well based off of the the 1928, which is based off of the 1662. Yeah. Yeah. And like the the Bible translation is, is the ESV and, and, and that kind of thing. So it definitely is, is one to, if you're, if you're used to reading more of a contemporary language, I would definitely be where, where where we are. So let's go into um, Lent. Now, Lent uh, might be a word that is completely foreign to some of some of my listeners, um, especially Ash Wednesday, which we just had. So your 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 um, album is. Did you have Lent before Matt and Sylvester's? Was that directly before? Yeah. So Lent okay. was volume four, actually. Lent was so, our fourth volume. Yeah. Okay. So right before Matt and Sylvester's, you had an album out called Lent. And can you just kind of, let's see, let's see how we're going to do this. Let's explain, um, let's explain what Lent is first, and then we'll go through the, uh, go through the album. So what Mm -hmm. is Lent to someone who has no idea? (laughs) Uh, Lent is a word that means springtime. Okay. Uh, It's just basically, again, it it just marks the the season, what's happening outside (laughs) in the weather. Yeah. The turning of the leaves. Um, 
within the, the church year, what happens during springtime is Easter, right? That's when all the, the right. pastel colors and peeps and, um, you know, chocolate, chocolate candies come out on the shelves at Target. And, uh, and so uh, right. we, Lent, however, is a, for Christians, is a season of preparation for Easter. Okay. Um, and so it's based on the biblical story, um, stories of a um, Jesus being driven by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Um, and he spent 40 days in the wilderness. Um, and, and it's also based on um, the 40 years that the nation of Israel spent in the right. wilderness. Um, so Lent it is, is, rooted, the, uh, is rooted in scripture. To yes, very with. much. Okay. Yes. yes. Uh, and so <clears throat> we walk with Jesus through 40 days of fasting and prayer um, to enter then with him into his death on Good yeah. Friday uh, as we are crucified with Christ and, and then to be risen with him on Easter. And so, yeah, it's a, I, uh, I wrote a little thing about what is Lent a while back, which maybe you, you can um, post in the okay. notes, yeah. uh, but basically, uh, yeah, I'll send it to you okay. or good. send a link to you. But basically the, the rhetorical phrase in that is um, Lent is a season for us to renounce and reorder our rhythms into Christ. Okay. to renounce and reorder our rhythms into Christ. It's basically spring cleaning for the soul. And okay, so it's kind of a retuning, kind of getting back in. Um, so primarily based on fasting and prayer. Yeah, because that's what Jesus did. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> okay, so who typically um, practices this? Obviously you were in the Anglican tradition. Mm -hmm. I was in the Methodist tradition for a little while and we practiced like, you know, we got our ashes and, and, and did the whole thing mm -hmm. and, and I loved it. Um, so where does this kind of stem from traditionally? Oh man, I'm not a historian, but <laughs> um, yeah, I think the ashes are, are rooted in kind of a, a Jewish um the idea of um, mourning, right, with right. with sackcloth and ashes, right. um, and so there's a there's a penitential. Uh, ashes are a season or a, a symbol of mortality. Um, okay. Our our own mortality from dust we came into dust we we shall return. Right. Um, but also a sign of mourning or penitence, um, mourning our sinfulness. Right. Yeah. So we, you know, we, we plead with, we plead for the mercy of God, like, like um, David in Psalm 51, right? Have mercy on me, Lord, according to your loving kindness, right. blot out all of my transgressions. Um, so, yeah, uh, okay. I'd say that's where it came from. Okay. All right. So let's go into the album now, Lent. Um, it's, it is, it is a wonderful album. And I, and I, and would, uh, Wednesday being Ash Wednesday. I mean, I, I had, I think I just had Ash Wednesday on repeat, the, the song over oh. repeat most of the day. Just, just loved it. And um, oh. just the first 
couple of lines of that song you know i mean mm-hmm. it just truly gets you ready for for that day whether you celebrate mm-hmm. whether whether you practice the, the ashes or not we do not so i was able to at least participate mm-hmm. in in that way mm-hmm. and um so let's talk about the album of lint what was the process behind writing it um what was the heart behind it mm-hmm. mm. um okay so after nelson and i wrote um you know, our first set of hymns, um, yeah. we, he said, yeah, I think he sent me a, he might've been Ash Wednesday. He might, he sent me an, a couple Ash Wednesday poems that he had been working on yeah. uh, as we were approaching Lent, I think in 2000, it might've been 2017, maybe 2018. Okay. And uh, I had just had the idea. I'm like, Hey, you know, there are, there are services there are several services throughout the season of Lent. Yeah. Um, not only the, the big ones like Ash Wednesday and then Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday, Holy right. uh, Good Friday, uh, but but also every Sunday is a is a you know important day in the season of Lent. Yeah. Um, and so I said there there are roughly ten um, ten days with with dedicated prayers for each day prayers and scriptures assigned to each of these um days in lent could could you write a poem um and for each service in the season of lent he said sure so (laughs) of course i can Uh, you know i just pray all day long that's right um and so uh he did and what was uh and so i started setting them to music but this time um in the spirit of collaboration i in spirit of collaboration i started inviting um, some of my friends because i didn't i I felt like i had this treasure and i didn't want to keep it all to myself so i think about five others or so four or five others okay um co-tuned i invited them into co-tuning some of uh, nelson's hymns with me including um uh, matt papa okay uh, co-tuned one with me matt mccauley uh, i don't know if you know him up in I, the name is familiar yeah yeah we co-tuned a couple um and then yeah we we set yeah. these uh these hymns yep so just going through the album um starts off on ash wednesday with ash wednesday's early morn um which is essentially to me i mean if, if you've ever been a part of an ash wednesday service and you hear this song, you can just almost imagine the service happening um, mm-hmm. where, wherever you experience that service at, you know, um, it is Ash Wednesday's early morn, um, the old, the young, the newly born. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a perfect, um, perfect imagery uh, of that mm-hmm. service. Um, it is Ash Wednesday's early to lint week number one um refuse mm-hmm. the bait um 
there was one song that I remember you were that you spoke about, and I believe um, it was the one about Jesus being tempted. Um, kind of that that imagery between mm-hmm. Jesus and and Satan talking to each mm-hmm. other. Which one? Which song exactly was that? Because mm-hmm. I can't quite remember. It's that one. It's refuse debate. Yeah, refuse debate. Okay. It's, yeah, because because week one, sun, the first Sunday in Lent is um, is the story of Jesus being driven into the wilderness and being tempted. Yeah. Okay. And then let's talk real quick. So mo- I would say the majority of, of traditions celebrate Palm Sunday to some degree, um, but let's talk about one that may not be celebrated as often. That's Maundy Thursday. Uh, whenever mm-hmm. I first was, whenever I was in the Methodist church there, I can't, like I said, came from more of a Southern Baptist mm-hmm. background. And then I was told to be at this service called Maundy Thursday. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, whatever that is. And um, so what is Maundy Thursday? Yeah, some traditions call it Holy Thursday. Um, it's, it's, it is the day um, in which Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. Okay. to his disciples okay. uh, when he um, washed his disciples feet um, as an ultimate sign of service um, to the world actually and um, and so uh, the service for Maundy Thursday is very simple it it includes um, a foot washing okay. um, if, if you're if you're feeling very adventurous <laughs> you can set up foot washing stations and encourage yeah. your uh your parishioners to wash the feet of their loved ones yeah. as an act of service um and then also the lord's supper it's the last celebration of of the lord's supper yeah. um, before easter because um, you will not celebrate the lord's supper on good friday right and 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 my only experience with with Monday, with the monday thursday service um was we set up tables um, in in the form of a cross, and then we would mm-hmm. hand we would hand the bread and the cup over, mm-hmm. and then we would have a foot mm-hmm. washing service after. So, mm-hmm. looking back on it, I appreciate it. In the moment, I was completely freaked out. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, I never experienced that before, mm-hmm. and just to kind of see that. So then we go on to Good mm-hmm. Friday, and then we're at Easter Eve. Now, let me ask you a question, um, and this may just mm-hmm. be my my ignorance of, of of liturgy in the formal sense. Why do we stop at Easter Eve and not Easter on the album? In Lent? On the in, album? Yeah, in Lent. Well, just both. Okay. Um, kind of what, what is the concept yeah. of, of stopping mm-hmm. on the eve of Easter as opposed to Easter Day? Yeah. Uh, well, the last day in the season of Lent is Holy Saturday. Um, okay. So Easter Sunday is the beginning of a new season, beginning of Easter. Okay. Um, when so, so when Nelson wrote the poem, he called it Easter Eve in a similar way that, um, like we, we refer to Christmas Eve, right, as it's like a vigil, right? So, yeah. Um, and then on in the in the Anglican Church or in the historic church, one of the oldest and most beautiful services is called the Easter Vigil, um, yeah. similar to the the Christmas Vigil, um, Christmas Eve, Easter Eve. Um, so it's sort of a play on that. Nobody really calls it Easter Eve. They either call that Saturday Holy Saturday, yeah, um, or the Great Paschal Vigil. Um, and so the vigil would actually start late at night uh, and um and you and you'd pray until sunrise and then yeah. you'd have a huge celebration the orthodox yeah. still do that okay um but the um 
but I think so Nelson kind of he combined some imagery of the burial of Christ um, with the resurrection of Christ in that song. And so it's, it's sort of a cut, like we didn't want to entirely neglect the resurrection (laughs) on the album. Um, We, we wanted to at least hint at it um, in that song. And so um, the imagery, the beautiful imagery in that song, yeah. and, uh, new, new life now comes to those who stomped the seed yeah. and those who quashed the lamp. <laughs> I right? know. Like it now. Yeah. It's yeah. I know the, the it, imagery. It is something to take in. And to be honest with you, man, my, I, I think I kind of stumbled upon your music. It was probably right before, I think, honestly, I think it was like March, 2020. Like it was like right there. Okay. And, time, um, yeah. and then really kind of got into it then. And I'll be completely honest. It took a while to be like, I'm mm. into this, you know, because it mm. was, because the wording, I love the music, mm. you know, the, the, the mm. melody, but the wording, it takes time to, to mm-hmm. kind of digest. And, and, um, and I think that's a, a good thing especially mm-hmm. in the context of worship. And we don't have time for that today, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's definitely there. Mm-hmm. So essentially the reason mm-hmm. you talk about Easter Eve is because there is another season of Easter starting on Easter day that leads into Pentecost. Is that correct? Yep. That's okay. A, yeah. 50 days. There day, we go. 50 days. That, that refreshed yep. my memory. I, now I remember it. Then we go into <laughs> Pentecost. And now, so does Lent, does the, does the, this fasting go up until Pentecost? like no 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 so no easter is a feast man easter is is the biggest feast day um and so you know bust out bust out the wine bust okay i got (laughs) bust out the alleluia's bring bring the celebration back yeah um in fact some churches take the confession of sin out of their liturgy for the easter season okay um and that's another sort of symbolic gesture to our sin having been dealt with in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Okay. So, yeah. Well, cool. Well, then let's go. Let's, let's do one hot take right here at the end. Um, like I said, I'm not in a tradition that, that practices Lent and um, there, I think honestly, it's just because it just doesn't happen. But um, mm-hmm. when there is actual opposition to the season of Lent and Ash Wednesday, mm-hmm. and, and I'm a part of a Facebook group that has strong, <laughs> some have strong opposition to that. Um, mm-hmm. We won't mm-hmm. name it here, but, Um, we probably know which one, but there is strong pros for it and there's strong cons for it. Um, maybe rooted in maybe a form of legalism, you know, maybe, Mm -hmm. Hey, why would I fast for this long, um, and get ashes when Jesus has already broken the chains Mm -hmm. of that? Um, why would I hang out? Why would I kind of associate myself with more of like a, of a Catholic practice? Um, Mm -hmm. What is your response to just any opposition that you have heard to to the practice of this liturgical season? Hmm. Well, um, I mean, it totally depends on on who I'm talking to. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, my parents left the Catholic Church, so they have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I was very little, they left the Catholic Church, and, and you grew um, up in more of a charismatic background, is that right? I did. Yeah, I grew okay. up in a Pentecostal church, okay. um, and so. Uh, some people had a really bad, they, they had a dead experience with yeah. the liturgy, right? Um, there, were, there was no life in it and, they, and their faith didn't really come alive until they left right. all of that and into a more free or um, 
expressive, yeah. you know, sort of culture. Right. And, uh, and so I understand why there yeah. would be resistance um, based on, based on, you know, your, your experience, somebody's experience with it. Um, to those who just, who have no familiarity with it um, and, and object to it, um, I would probably ask them what they do then yeah. <laughs> to, to, to renounce and reorder their rhythms into Christ. I have an answer to that question, but this is, I'm not the guest on the show. So <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah. I know so what like, happens, but it's, it's usually right. very little, but um, okay. Right. So, so I would say, I would go in that direction. Like, what okay. have you decided? What have you decided is better? Yeah. Is a better practice than what the church has done for, you know, 2000 years. Um, well, and I would imagine you know, just from experience, I would imagine just mm-hmm. the, um, the, the response is just to completely exclude it, um, and, and mm-hmm. have it be based in, um, you know, we don't have to do these things anymore, but, you know, as, as opposed to, um, you know, cause, cause I think, I think the, the fear has fallen into like a, a cold type, you know, mm-hmm. work works based deal, which mm-hmm. is, and that's always the argument that I hear when someone is, mm-hmm. is, is opposed to it. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, what would your response be if someone says, well, that's, I don't need to, to do that, you know, as far as yeah. what comes, like if, if, it, mm-hmm. if the fear is a works-based kind of deal, means right. of grace. I would say, well, I would say, well, what are you doing? Okay. What are you doing? Yeah. But t- tell me what you're doing instead. Yeah. Right. So it, again, it's this in- individualist impulse in us, especially in America, right? No, nobody right. tells me what to do. Right. Um, but like we have a faith that has been handed down to us. Okay. We are, we are communal. <laughs> yeah. We don't know who we are as individuals without our, um, our basis being in a community. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, the individuality, our individuality flows out of our communality. And yeah. so uh, we ought to pay heed to those who have gone before us and have, you know, uh, developed liturgies and um, processes and institutions and, and different things to at least consider why the saints did this, right? Yes. Um, and and but but also like in a similar way that you know fasting can be can be meaningless and rote and legalistic. It can be. It very much can be. Um, but that's why, um, those of us who really have a vibrant faith and relationship with Jesus, um, fast fasting is not just an act of refraining for the sake of, you know, saying that you're, you're a good Christian. Um, there's also an element of what, what this is doing, right? right. What kind of formation is happening in us. Um, and so, yeah, I think in a similar way that we can kind of miss the idea of fasting by focusing on what we're giving up, people can totally miss the idea or the purpose of Lent by saying, um, uh, by, by, by not, by, by refusing to reflect on what they are actually doing, what they are actually 
you know, uh, giving themselves to. And, and yes, we do need to talk about um, <laughs> worship and formation and yeah. liturgy and, and, and how we are ritual creatures. Yeah. We're going to give ourselves to some kind of ritual. Exactly. Uh, we are going to because we are, you know, if we ceased our rituals, we would cease being human beings. Exactly. Yeah. And so uh, it's not, it, it's really an issue of like reflecting on the rituals themselves. Is this a ritual or a liturgy that um, is, is good and is, um, is counter forming me out of the bad habits that I've developed and is, and is forming me into good habits um, yeah. of, you know, that's leading to Christ-likeness. Yeah. Um, I think Jamie Smith is the one who said, there's nothing wrong with going through the motions if they're the right motions. The concept of emotion, like you have to have this emotional response to everything. Um, you know, I mean, you're not going to have it every time, you know, so it, it's, it's okay as long as you're doing the right thing and, 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 and the biblical thing. Yeah, it's, it's, you got I mean, I can totally see why people would have an objection to that. Yeah. Um, and emotions are wonderful. Emotions are very much a part of, of our humanity, but um, you're right. Like most of our life is not sensational. <laughs> You know, most of our days are mundane. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, our, our desire for those mountaintop experiences, those highly sensational experiences has gotten us into a lot of trouble. I think it has sort of moved the church away from worship. I mean, Bob Weber said that uh, our accommodation to the, the values of the culture is the greatest the, the greatest threat to Christian worship. It's the greatest obstacle to us actually worshiping, right? So we're going to adopt some kind of ritual or practice. Yeah. Um, uh, th there's a good chance that it's going to be an inferior practice or a thin, hollow exercise um, if you're left to yourself to do it, to come up yeah. with something. Yeah. Um, or if you're just trying to imitate um, what the culture does. Right. I got you. That's my, that'd be my response to that. I love it. Well, man, thank you so much for, for your time and for the music. And, um, if you have not listened to, um, any of liturgical folk music, I would strongly suggest you do that. Um, especially now in the season of Lent to take on these songs, even if you take a song per week and really just kind of digest it. You can take one of these songs and, and, and listen to it every day and, and, and need that every day. Um, but Ryan, thanks so much. We'll hang on a little bit after we, we end it. And um, thanks so much for being with us. Excellent. Thank you for having me. Well, I had a great time speaking with Ryan and I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Um, if there's anything that you could have gotten from that, I hope that it was, even if you don't celebrate Lent in the liturgical sense, there is still a biblical theme leading up to Easter of sacrificing, of prayer, of fasting, um, to prepare our hearts for the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. So make sure you check out Ryan and Liturgical Folk and their album Lent, and make sure you check out their newest album, Matins and Vespers, which you can stream anywhere. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Homology, and I hope you'll join me next time.